0: Welcome to the audio podcast for Beit Abba, the Messianic Jewish ministry at the Father's house. We exist to proclaim the gospel to the Jewish people and to connect Christians to Israel and the Jewish roots of our faith. Well, this season is a season of what's called the Dire Straits and not the band. Mark Knopfler, being one of our tribal members, I'm sure grew up hearing about the Dire Straits. And... Uh, It is a season of a three-week period leading up to what's called Tisha B'Av, which is the ninth of the month of Av, the ninth of Av, Tisha B'Av, and has tremendous significance in the history of Israel, deadly significance. It marks, it started in the season of the third month, the 17th of Tammuz, the month that just ended, stay with me. And it comes through into the month of Av, the fourth month. And on the ninth of this month is Tisha B'Av, or the ninth of Av. Now, it's Tammuz 17th is what the rabbis considered the day that Moses broke the tablets. So it's a day of ex- extreme awareness of the sinfulness of man and the, the power of God. When he came down off the mountain, he saw the golden calf. He saw the sin of the people. He broke the commandments, and he had to carve them out himself. They say also, mystically, We'll have to check this out in heaven. They say that the first set, when he walked down, they floated, because God carved them, and he carved them to go through blue sapphire, and they floated down with Moses the first time, what the rabbis say. We don't know, but we do know from the word of God that he broke the first set, and then he had to... write them out himself. So that's the 17th of Tammuz. That sets in motion this three-week period. And what do you think happened in this three-week period? On the 9th of Av in history, according to the scripture, the 12 spies were sent out and the only two came back with a good report about the land. We just heard about the land. It's a promised land. Do not believe your television. It is a promised land. And two spies came back with a good report, Joshua and Caleb, that's you. You are people of a good report. And you're coming around, you're shouting out good report wherever you go. You Sometimes you don't have to say anything, you're just lit up by the Holy Spirit. And people say, what, what's going on with you? Well, let me tell you something encouraging. So the 12 spies went out, two came back with a good report. It gets worse. On the 9th of Av in 586 BC, the Babylonians sacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. On the 9th of Av in 70 A.D., the Romans sacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. So it's a bummer in the summer for the Jews. Now, here's an interesting thing about it. It's a, it's a deep mourning period for many of the ultra-Orthodox Jews. Deep, deep mourning period. Some consider it more serious than the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, in the fall. It's such a sense of loss. And, and, but here's something very fascinating. The sages of our history, the rabbis, they also say that in the olam haba, the world to come, the ninth of Av will be the most joyous time of the entire year. Does that sound like somebody we know? You see, only Yeshua, only Jesus can take the lowest and the worst of anything and turn it into something outrageously good, outrageously positive. And so that's why, and we were talking about doing the service, and and we we talked at the TFH network. By the way, if you don't have a home church, I want to recommend to you the best church in the world, the Father's House. Many campuses, many places to partake of the fresh bread that comes all the time. It is awesome. We go around the world. We're itinerant. We're not on staff here full-time. We're part-time. So if you want to help us, please, we go around the world. But here's the thing. Every time we come back, it's like, Jesus, what a great church. Now, I'm not a sheep stealer, so if you have a home church and you're happy that that's fine. But, if you're wondering or wandering, I want to tell you, this place. Okay. So... We're, we're talking, we've been talking forever about how to, get, how, to, how to fashion a small group model in Beit Abba, through Beit Abba, that would touch the communities and bring Jewish people into homes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we've gone over this for five years and not been able to pull it off because everyone that we know is committed to their eyeballs to ministry. Most people we know. So then... During this network time, the prophetic was flowing, and God was moving, and Kathy and Catherine and I were having lunch sitting at the prophet's table. We probably got the overflow. (laughs) We were sitting with three of the five prophets that were there, and I'll tell you what, God is alive. Prophecy did not stop with the book of Acts. It's happening in our midst. It is alive, and he's alive and well, and speaking very accurately about our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're asking for increase. You want an increase in your prophetic gifting? I want that, right? What this evening is about is the meaning of Shabbat, the heart of Shabbat. Because we couldn't get the small group thing going in a way that would flow, a flow chart would work, and we could fill it out. So I thought, well, what can we do? Well, let's, let's impart the essence of Shabbat. So that you're going to leave here tonight with the ability to hold Shabbat in your home without having to worry about am I Jewy enough or am I not Jewy enough or who's going to say what or am I doing it right? It's not about that. The essence of Shabbat is communion. Why do we gather on the seventh day as God told us to? What's it about? It's about meeting with him. It's about the presence of the Lord, like we felt during the worship tonight, like you're feeling now. The presence of the Lord, that's the meaning of Shabbat. It's not about certain rituals and certain ways of doing things, and don't eat that, and don't eat this, and but make sure you don't, no. It's about, a, it's a heart issue of meeting with the Lord. That's, it's, that's the essence of it. And wild things can happen. Think about it, communion. You know how we say atonement, at one moment. What about communion? Come, union. Come, union. I want to have union with my God. I want to have union with my family. I want to have union with my friends. Doesn't matter if you're married or single, there's something here tonight for everybody. When Catherine and I were early on in ministry, about 4,000 years ago, I think, it seems like a long time ago. But we would have, we've, we did every ministry. We did everything from the, the kids to the toilets to the ministry to the thing to set up the chairs to the, to the youth. To, we did it all, right? And one of the things that was a treasure time for us was leading the singles ministry, right? And we would have our home open and people would come. So we would always have things going on and events going on. And we did a seminar called Single, Not Alone about the power of the body to be, to set the solitary family as what happens to us? Because when I became a believer, I was showing up at people's houses all the time because I was alone out there. And the body brought me in. And I could sit at their table. So we provided that when we were married. And it doesn't matter married or single. This is about meeting with our God, meeting with the presence of the Lord in our homes. You can do it with friends, with roommates, whatever. Come, Union. And anything can happen. The first time I ever experienced a physical healing was during a communion service. Yeah. We, were, we were back in the gold can era. Maybe you still use your church, but we had these gold cans with a cross on them, and you open it, and there's little cups and little pieces of bread. It wasn't matzah. It was, you know, like, like Wonder Bread. But it was, and so... I was like six months in the Lord or something, but I was going for it. I, was, I didn't get saved until so I was 33, so I was, at, I was showing up at every meeting. You know, I was, it's open, I'm there. You know, and so they gave me a chance to hold the communion stuff and, and walk down the aisle and pass it out and do all that. You know, I'm like, wow, this is really great. And I'm talking about ties and jackets and the whole thing, right? So I'm back there, and my back was out, out, out. It was bad. I was in so much pain. I barely made it to the service, but I was standing back there. Help me, Jesus. And when the communion service began, when we got to the part of getting ready to distribute the elements, I felt a change. And my back pain was completely gone. (laughs) Saying that to tell you that he's in this. And if you have something that you need to bring before him, tonight's the night to do it. He can touch us in this simple ceremony, seemingly simple ceremony. Now... What is the heart of, the sh- of Shabbat? Jesus said, Shabbat was made for man, not man for Shabbat. A friend who says he's so busy on Sundays that he has to have a Shabbat Monday morning with his wife because he's running around so much. We have to find a place in our lives, a margin. doesn't have to be Friday night. can be. It's wonderful when it is because you get in rhythm with the calendar of Israel, which is going to be a good thing because we're all going to eventually get in rhythm with the calendar of Israel. But... If you can't do it on, Saturday, on Friday night, find a night or a time, a time during the week when you can take communion together as a family or as roommates or as friends. And you put Jesus at the center of your personal Shabbat. How do I know that God put this in and that the Shabbat was made for man? If you see this picture of the first letter in the Hebrew Torah, in the Bible, the whole Bible starts with the letter Bet Bereshit, in the beginning. And that picture... Is a picture of the bait, which is the word, which is the first letter of the word house and the first letter of the word son. Ben, bait, house, bait, Abba, and picture. Picture. Ah. Okay. Well, looks like this. It's a picture of the bait. It looks like this and inside you see the candles and the family and it's a symbol for us that this entire world is God's house. This is my father's world. It's his house and his desire is that we would join with him in communion in his house. (laughs) Now, the communion has antecedents, not only in the creation of the world, but also in the command of the first passages of the Bible to keep the Sabbath, right? Keep the seventh day. Remember, the day starts in the evening. It's very Jewish, right? Uh, we start, tonight is Saturday, right? So we're starting Saturday. We're starting the Sabbath Friday night because in the scriptures it says that the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, there were four promises. So we see, we see the God wanting communion with his creation. And then we see Melchizedek in Genesis 14 show up, Melchizedek show up, which is he's the king of righteousness. And he comes from Salem. He's a picture of Christophany. Perhaps a, a visitation by Jesus himself comes to Abram with what? With the bread and the wine. And gives us a foreshadowing of this communion that is going to come. And then we see it again in Exodus, when the children of Israel are brought out of Egypt and God makes four promises. And when we have the Passover Seder, which I recommend you attend, there are four cups of wine that are drunk, or four four cups that are drunk. It can be wine, it can be juice, it can be whatever you use. But they are drunk and they all have a meaning. There are four promises that were given to Moses. The first one is the cup of sanctification. I will bring you out. The second is I will free you. The cup of judgment. He's going to judge the judgments. Take the judgments. The third is the cup of redemption. I will redeem you. And the fourth is the cup of praise. I will take you as my own people. And we praise him for that. How awesome that such a one as me or you could be taken as his people. I was with the certain leaders that I revere and love. And one of them said, and they have built this amazing work, and one of them said, so without guile, we just, I'm, how could this happen? We just, we, we don't feel worthy. Recognizing, we're not. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a self-deprecating way of saying it. There was no heartburn in it. It was like the difference. Between who he is and what he's done. And that he would call us to be in communion with him. It's it's an unfathomable love. Scripture says it this way in Exodus 6. Therefore say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression. I will rescue you from your slavery. In Egypt, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And great acts of judgment. God himself promises to redeem with an outstretched arm. Here is a perfect picture of what is going to happen a while later. With an outstretched arm, you will be redeemed. Just as the children of Israel were redeemed, you were redeemed by an outstretched arm. If you haven't read the medical description of the process of crucifixion, I highly recommend that you look it up. We can take this so lightly when God is asking us to joyfully enter into this understanding at a much deeper level. It's not heavy, it's not religious, but it's rich and it's very, very deep with an outstretched arm. I could look at that picture for an hour and just meditate. My Lord and my God, how can we ever thank you? He says, I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the one. Now, century later centuries later rabbi shaul the apostle paul he was trying to review for the corinthians what the passover meant and what it means for us today what it means post cross to celebrate the communion to celebrate the passover the communion because he was and he's trying to contextualize it so here's what he said Therefore, when you meet together in the same place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for each one takes his own supper beforehand, and one goes hungry while another gets drunk. Stop the presses. I was told that Jesus turned water into grape juice, but these people were getting drunk at the communion. That's not a good thing, but it does make me think that maybe there was real wine involved. I don't know. But this is a rebuke to the Corinthians, He's saying that you're not, you're not doing it in the way that I have intended, that God has intended. Is it certainly not that you, it's certainly not that you do not have houses, is it? Don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise God's community and try to humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? I don't praise you for this. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. I'll get to that in a moment. He's rebuking them for their classicism. Their classism, their racism, their divisim, their divisions, their factions, their sense of not being one in Christ. He's rebuking them because they have special groups or cliques. Because the wealthy sit together and the poor have to sit together. Because people take care of themselves and they're not watching out for each other. It's a rebuke. And he's going to go on to say you have not discerned the body of the Lord. The broken body of the Messiah and the body that we are. For I received from the Lord that what I also passed on to you, that Lord Yeshua, on the night he was betrayed, took matzah, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in memory of me. You can see a picture, I hope. Yes, Hallelujah. To this day, we use, in general... Before we came up with these Lordable, these Lunchables that you took brought in tonight, <laughs> we typically will use matzah which is striped and pierced. Hey, Catherine and I have done this with a, with a half an almond and a, and a thimble of whatever we had to drink sometimes. That's not the point. But there is something that does preach here in the, the matzah that's come down, it's even fashionable today. He was pierced. Because of our transgressions. Keep the picture up. Crushed because of our iniquities. The chastisement of our shalom was upon him. And by his stripes we're healed. Pray for my people. Every Passover season we use this matzah and we don't see Jesus. We are beginning to and more and more. And thank God for the ministries that we support in Israel. And for what we've been able to do around the world. Oh, parenthetically. <laughs> How cool is it that we were—we happen to be... This is not cause and effect, folks. It's just interesting. We happen to be praying in the middle of England and doing revival meetings in the middle of England, teaching them these messages about the roots of the faith and praying that England would have a turnaround. And the guy that just got in as prime minister had just come out publicly and say... I'm for Israel. In fact, I feel like there's probably Jews in my background. (laughs) Boris Johnson, he's like a Donald Trump twin. They look like bookends from somebody's mother. (laughs) Right after we got back, he got elected, and he completely turned over what's been going on there for decades regarding Israel. So we need to pray for England. We need for England to become a sovereign nation again. We need for England to stand up against the forces around them coming out of Belgium and through France and Germany that are trying to make them small and have them rise up as God's kingdom. The lion, that's right. So Paul continues, he recounts it in 1 Corinthians 11 in this way. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in memory of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He's coming back. And Paul is telling the Corinthians, and he's telling us today, every time we do this Passover, every time we do this communion, it's in remembrance of what he's done because he is coming back and he's going to do it again because Jesus is going to say in a few minutes he's going to say that he won't drink this cup again until he drinks it with us in the kingdom he's coming back therefore whoever drinks eats or eats the bread or drinks the lord's cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body of the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself and let, then let him eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For the one who eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and quite a few have died. For if we were judging ourselves thoroughly, we wouldn't be coming under judgment. But when we are judged, we're being disciplined by the Lord so that we might not be condemned along with the world. That's a heavy saying, and I've heard it preached a dozen different ways, none of which made a lot of sense. Here's what I really believe it means, and you can take it or leave it. I think it means that the examination has to do with preparing myself, allowing the blood to wash, preparing myself for the blood to actually do something during communion, And for me to examine my small-mindedness, my my stingy-heartedness, my jealousy, my envy, my pride, my lust, anything that might be in me, and just be ready to give it to the Lord. The self-examination, it doesn't have to do with salvation or not salvation. It has to do with, God, let me get the most out of this communion with you. Would you get bigger in me? Would you crowd out the smallness in me? Crowd out the ego, I don't know, self? What would you say? Get the junk Amen. out of me. And, and supernaturally, he can do this during communion. Amen. He will do it. Amen. Discerning the body is about not having those judgments of others. I heard one wise guy say that pride is judging others' weaknesses by your strengths. We have a plumb line. (laughs) Judge yourself against him, not against each other. And so this is opportunity in communion. It's such an opportunity to advance in the Lord, in the spirit. And that opportunity is before us. Paul goes on. He took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, the removal of sins, but I say to you, I will never drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Wow. Back it away from the bar, boys. I'll see you in the kingdom and we'll raise a cup together. But tomorrow... Tomorrow, what you don't know is this going to be crushed out of me. Fully God, fully man, for the man, crushed. Now, four cups. Which was the cup that Jesus, when he said these things? Come on, students, you've been to the Seder. Thank you. This is a third cup. If you read your Gospels, you'll see it says after dinner. And there are two cups before the dinner, and the third cup is after dinner. And the third cup is the cup of redemption. So, in a few minutes, when we take communion, you can consider yourself a bride. Now, the guys must have been very puzzled, because... They know that it's the cup of redemption. They also know the tradition of a cup being placed before a young woman. And if she drinks from it, they're betrothed. Then the young man will go to his father's house, build a place for her, and they come back and get her when she she doesn't know when. So there was a betrothal happening at the Last Supper at the Passover Seder. It was a bridal call. And this, this... transformation that comes in the salvation and baptism and communion is dramatic to say the least. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he pardoned us all our transgressions. Now he's speaking to the Colossians. He wiped out the handwritten record of debts with the decree against us Which was hostile to us, he took it away by nailing it to the cross. After disarming the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. Now, this is my favorite part, one of my favorite parts. What is it that's coming against you? What is it that is hindering you? What is the spirit, the demonic power, the, the, the angst, the pain, the suffering, whatever the darkness is that's pinging against you, that's coming against you? Jesus made an open show of them at the cross. There's nothing that can harm you. If you don't make it through this life, you're going to a better life. You cannot lose. You cannot lose. You're either healed here or you're healed there. Now, lots of us, we kind of like it here. We like our families and our kids and our grandkids, and we would like to stay here as long as possible, live long, healthy lives. That's okay, that's good. But here, there, or everywhere, we're going to meet the Lord, and you're going to have a healed body. Whether it's healed on this earth or healed in eternity, that's why it's so important that we tell the story. You don't have to be an evangelist. Just tell your story. Just encourage somebody. Just open your mouth and let God come out. <laughs> Not only does he do this, not only does he make an open show of the demonic and he triumphs over them for you and for me, but he says that the psalmist said this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. It's not only that I'm squeaking by, Lord, but in the midst of the assault that comes against me, whether it's emotional or spiritual or financial or health, whatever it is, in the midst of that, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Now, when Catherine and I were first married, our communion place was a card table in the corner with a little couple of rickety chairs that we got secondhand. But I'll tell you what it looks like to the devil. I'll show you a picture of it. I'll show you a picture of it. I'll show you a picture of a banquet table. Thank you. That's what our communion table looks like to the devil. That's what your communion table is. So you can say to heaven, thank you, to hell, got this. You can see what your communion table, what this table tonight looks like. Now, there are rules. I don't know, at your house, maybe you're not supposed to chew with your mouth open Maybe you're not supposed to swear or do something nasty at the ta- dinner table. Maybe there are family rules that you have. The Lord's table has rules also, has guidelines at least. And here are the guidelines let all bitterness and rancor and envy and strife and jealousy and envy, let all of that be dealt with before you come to the table. Because He has a very royal table. And you want to be prepared to sit at the king's table. That's the discerning of the body, is get the stuff out. God, take it out of me so I can sit at your table. So what we're gonna do tonight, and I think I'm gonna have to find a way to give this to you other than the podcast, so you can do this at home. All you need to do for Shabbat is have some bread and some fruit of the vine. That's all you got to do. Have a meal around that. Have some people around the meal. And have some simple prayers about thanking God for communion. You all know how to do that. You know how to say thank you for the body, thank you for the blood. You know how to do That's the essence of Shabbat. It's his presence, it's not ritual, it's not ceremony. It may include some cool stuff depending on how you want to do it. But you don't, there's no rules. Just get some bread and some cup and get some people in your house and have a communion in the midst of your meal. Before the meal, after the meal, however you want to do that. We'll map it out for you so you can have a little cheat sheet. Make it easy. You know. But it is easy. And then you can say to your Jewish friend down the street, hey, we're having a kind of a Gentile Shabbat meal. You want to come over for some good food? Sure. Why not? It's different than saying, "Hey, I'm going to the Father's house." It's a non-denominational church where the word is preached with power, and the Jewish person will say, "No, thank you," unless they're desperate like me, like I was desperate when they're at that place in their life. They'll come. That's right. You know, but to to. Get them acclimated to the presence of the Lord, for them to be in your home, for you to invite the presence of the Lord, for you to lean into the communion, for them to witness the presence of God as you say thank you to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That will help. And you can invite Gentiles, too, who need to know Jesus. Or you can do it with each other. But don't be afraid and don't think that this is where Shabbat happens. This is a sending center. Go and do likewise. <laughs> this is a sending center. So what I'd like to do is I'm going to demonstrate some of the prayers you can pray over each other in the home. Right? So first I'm going to have the mommies and the women. Anybody? who's Over 18. Women that are over 18, stand up. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm sorry. Let's do the kids first. Sorry, Stacy. Let's do the kids first. You can sit because they're going to come and go so the the typical order would be that the man would pray for the husband or a man in the house prays for the women the women pray for the men and then they all pray for the children, right so here's what I want to pray for you tonight kids, usually I'll talk about a traditional prayer that is blessing them in the name of Sarah in the name of Leah, in the name of Rachel, in the name of Manasseh and Ephraim and all the heroes of the faith and the people of the that continue the line of the Jewish people. But tonight, I want to tell you Joshua 1.9. I'm going to ask you to say this word with me after I give it to them. Here's the word, chazak. Can you say that? Chazak. It means be strong. Be strong and of good courage, for the Lord God is with you. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to worry because God himself is with you and has blessed you, will continue to bless you and you will be blessed beyond measure as you walk with Jesus. So tonight we bless the kids and we say, Chazak. Amen. Go kids. Thank you. I'd like all the women, ladies to stand. I wanna say this to you, this is to my first lady, but it goes from heaven to all of you. If you're married or you're single, it doesn't matter. This is the Lord's voice to you. An excellent woman who can find. She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She's energetic and strong, a hard worker. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She's clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise and she gives instruction with kindness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you, 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 you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. We reward her for all she has done, that her deeds publicly declare her praise. Father, we thank you for these jewels in your crown, we thank you for the blessing that they are to everyone around them, friends, neighbors, children, grandchildren. God, we pray your continued blessing over these women in your holy name, Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Husbands, I recommend you try this at home. Now, I want to ask the men to stand. Typically, your wife will read Psalm 1, sometimes another Psalm. Tonight, I'm going to read out of Psalm 112 over you. This is Psalm 112. You guys, just receive this as from the Lord. Hallelujah. Happy is the man who fears the Lord. Who delights greatly in his teachings. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. Light shines in the darkness for the upright. Gracious, compassionate, and just is he. Good comes to a man who is gracious and lends. He will order his affairs with fairness. Surely... He will never be shaken. The righteous are remembered forever. He will not be frightened by bad news. He remains steady, trusting in the Lord. His heart is set firm. He will not be afraid till finally he looks in triumph at his enemies. He distributes freely. He gives to the poor. His righteousness stands forever. His power will be increased honorably. Amen. Father, thank you. For these men, thank you that they are a great, exceeding army yes. of warriors who love you and love the body, love the women in their lives, love the children and grandchildren in their lives. God, they love the stranger, they love the neighbor. Thank you, Lord, that these are your your hands in this world. That this is your this is your heart coming through with the strength of the men in these room in this room, and we give you gratitude and glory tonight for these. We thank you for it. Bless them in your holy name. Amen. For more information about Beit Abba, log on to our website at tfh.org slash Abba or call our office at 707-455-7790.